Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baker Mayfield has been caught up in a lot of controversies this season. The latest was the old crotch grab and the blank U to Kansas and, you know, looking more into that stuff, like, okay, should he rise above it, take the high road? He's a Heisman candidate. He's a guy that's going to be sought after by NFL general managers and coaches and needs to act a certain way to, to show that off. Okay, I'll give you all that stuff. I'm not going to argue against that because some of that is true, and he shouldn't be acting like mm-hmm. that. But he's about as fired up a guy as there is to begin with. Right. And then you don't shake hands. And then also there's some questionable hits in that football game that some of the Oklahoma players thought were dirty. You add to that, he throws a touchdown pass to go up big, and then all of a sudden he does this. I don't have as big of a problem with it as some other people do. But (laughs) he knows, and the people around Oklahoma know, that the Heisman voters are not going to be in love with the crotch grab and the blank U to Kansas, yeah. right? Yep. So what does he do? Much like the flag planting deal, you know, he apologizes. And he put out an apology in words. He tweeted one out. And at his last press conference, he had an apology as well because he got his discipline. And it meant a lot to him what happened because on senior day, He will not be starting. He'll be in the game at some point. He will not be starting. And for this game, he was stripped his captaincy. Now, I was never a captain of a team. I'm sure you were in high school and maybe even college. In college, yep. Okay. Does that mean a lot to you that it's taken away for a game? Yeah, and especially your last game. Okay. This is his last home game. Is it enough to make you cry? (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. That last game is so emotional because you're taking you, you're taking to heart every little thing. The last ride on the team bus from the the hotel to the to the stadium there, and yeah, there'll be more rides once you get into the bowl season, and 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 possibly a chance to, to to play for a national title. But you're taking in every little bitty thing. I can still just recall the game. So yes. Okay. Would, would you become emotional talking about that? Yeah, and it's, and it's been a rough last few days with all the attention that ba- Baker, negative attention he's brought upon himself. Now, I watch this, and I don't believe that he's genuinely crying. You don't think he's you think it's fake tears? Okay. I do. Mm-hmm. I think that he is going over the top mm. with this, and I think he's trying to make it seem like he's extra remorseful to show that Hey, I'm a good guy. Vote for me for the Heisman mm-hmm. because look, you know I, I'm I'm sad and I'm upset about this. So let's He's let's trying to throw him off the scent, G. Yeah, well, mm. we'll listen to this. Okay, uh, here's Baker Mayfield yesterday after learning of his punishment and talking about it. Playing at OU is something I always dreamed of. Um. And uh, so, not 
not starting's, you know, it's it is what it is. But not being a team captain, something so much more. You gotta watch him too. <laughs> you gotta watch him. I watched him because, and we could tweet out the video at Gio and Jones, and he's doing like the wiping away the one tear. Some people were really reading into it, and he said he used his middle finger to oh. wipe away the tear. Because <laughs> you can sound like you, like if you're good, you could sound like you're crying. Yeah. You want to try? Oh, I'm no, I can do it. You, right, I'm exactly. I'm good at it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to talk, you got to say something. I, I'm trying to talk, I can't talk. I'm crying. <laughs> That's not your best one. I know. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can. All right. All right. Playing in Oklahoma is... You know, something I've, I've always, I've always wanted to do. And uh, you know, I mean, not starting's one thing, but <laughs> to not to not be a captain, you know, <coughs> not be a captain. <laughs> that that's another thing. So. I mean, you could do it. Anybody could do it. Can you do it, Mike? <laughs> I'll give him my best. Oh, <laughs> I did my best. I guess it my was, best wasn't I, good enough. Here it was, we go. Uh, it was an emotional. Uh, I love my teammates. I I did what I could, and I apologize. And how you gong him? <laughs> yeah, we'll do better. Well, you're doing your southern the accent hell? there for some reason. You went into Mikey B, the southern accent. I cry southern. <laughs> I cry southern. You got to get a sniff in there. That's You didn't do enough sniffing. There you go. Oh, I was gross. doing Yeah, swallow it. <laughs> so anyway, I don't believe him. I don't. Th- I mean, come on. You think he's really that upset about this? Yes, he's upset, man. This is his last home game. Come he on. dreamt of being a Sooner. I don't know why anyone would dream of doing that, but he did. And he has been a Sooner. I know. And he's been a great one. But it's the last home game. And he's still going to be there. I know. But he's still going to start. Man, that hurts. Ah. That's, tough. That's tough. He's still going to go do the whole thing, I'm sure, with the flowers and the family yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, senior day and all that. So he's going to yeah. do all that. I know, but he won't be a captain. He won't be able to so go he out can't, there. So he can't go out there and be disrespected by the other team right, again. Right, yeah. Oh, and I also think what Lincoln Riley's doing here, and, and, and to his credit, Lincoln Riley said, I am uh, extremely proud uh, to, to be his coach. And, yeah, he, he's, he's young and he made a mistake, and, and that's fine. And, and, and he's still learning just like a lot of these, these uh, players are. Uh, and, and so – I think what they're doing is is because there are Heisman voters who are, will be upset by his gesture and think he crossed the line. And I actually thought he crossed the line. Now, is that going to keep me from voting for him? Uh, I, I can't tell you. You finally got that Heisman vote. Yeah, last year. Yeah, that's right. my first year to vote, yeah. And remember uh, who got you that Heisman vote? Who got it? Mikey B. No, it wasn't Mikey B. Yes, it was. No, it was He not. sent that email out. I tried to get it for him. Yeah, Mikey then, B did uh, not failed. succeed. No, yes, yes, you, you, but I, start, I started it. You didn't start it. I helped. I know who got it. You helped. <laughs> okay. I mean, if it wasn't for me, 
What so are you doing? You ah, I just thought I was choked up before. I got to, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, yeah. what Lincoln Riley is trying to do is head the, these these voters off at the pass because they're going to hold us against Baker Mayfield. And so now meeting out some punishment and showing that they take the, his actions seriously there at Oklahoma and he's going to sit. He won't be a captain. Yes, he'll play in the game, but he's going to be punished somewhat. And so they're hoping that now will cause those who uh, have concern to go ahead and vote for him because he has this Heisman thing locked up. And unless, you know, he has a, just a, a terrible uh, next ball game and, and, and then the uh, conference championship game, which they shouldn't be planned. But if, you know, if he just fails in those, these upcoming ball games, uh, that's the only way I see him losing this. And, or if someone jumps up and just has uh, frightening performances uh, because he's so far ahead at this point, I'd like to believe. Now, who's older, Lincoln Riley or Baker Mayfield? <laughs> Lincoln, just by, okay, by uh, a year. Yeah, yeah about, just a about two years. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I I really hope he doesn't lose the Heisman Trophy because of this stuff. Right. I mean that that to me is just is it people being petty too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was wrong what he did, and I'm all for trash talking. But you crossed the line, or he crossed the line, and 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 there's nothing wrong with saying that he did, and he understands he did. That's why he immediately apologized after the game. The did flag, Kansas the, crossed the, the line. Flag, the flag, uh, uh, you know, planting the flag there at Ohio State. No, we were all in the court. You shouldn't have to apologize for that. Now, what he did at that game, that was cross the line versus Kansas. You don't do that. Yes, you're a fiery player. Yes, you're a competitive player, and we like that about you. And and, and so I, I would, if I'm in a GM, I'm drafting this young man because I want that swagger. I want that confidence. And no, he's not a Johnny Menzel. He cares about the game. He wants to be out there on that football field. And he had a little misstep back in January. Everybody's digging that up now. Oh, he's a problem child. No, he's not. He's a cat that infuses your team. He's infectious in his enthusiasm for the game. And you see that throughout that locker room, throughout that that Sooners football team. So you want that. You want someone who cares about the craft. He does. And there's never been one iota, no no inkling about his lack of preparedness and and not uh, being ready to go on any given Saturday. So you want that type of player. He had a huge fail here. They're making up for it. And I think he still wins the Heisman. Should the grab seen round the world against Kansas factor into the Heisman voting? If you had a vote, eight five five two one two four CBS eight five five two one two four two two seven. Some open lines for you to chime in on that. Now, I don't know if this was Mikey B using his creative license or he got this from another story, but he wrote small time St. Louis radio host. Like, that's that's a condescending sentence when he's talking about this story. So it's about a report of Jeff Fisher and UCLA having a conversation about Jeff Fisher taking over as the next head coach there after firing Jim Mora. So Mikey B writes down, small-time St. Louis radio host reports UCLA had talks about bringing in Jeff Fisher. Now, did you come up with that yourself? And you're condescending, I'm a national radio producer? Or did you pull that from a headline somewhere when someone else was calling him small time? I pulled that from a headline. Oh, man. Too bad, because I was hoping that you'd be condescending. (laughs) I was hoping that Mikey B had, like, this small time St. Louis. We would never do that here (laughs) in the national scene, you know? So, anyway... 
Small time. Come on. <laughs> small time. How small are they? You can't say that. Yeah. You know? But I guess it's an AM radio show. Michael Gaines is the guy. He doesn't even have a thousand followers on Twitter. Oh, anything. well, there you go. I he is small time. Yeah. And he goes, uh, sources, UCLA has had internal discussions regarding former Rams head coach Jeff Fisher. Hashtag UCLA. Hashtag Rams. Hashtag NCAA. <laughs> That would be the worst hire. You think Jeff Fisher would be? In the history of football. No, it wouldn't be the worst hire in the history of football, but I don't think uh, he is going to be uh, getting that gig. And it's Chip Kelly, if he wants it, uh, his for the taking. And uh, I don't know who else is on that list, but I know if Chip Kelly wants to get back in the game, UCLA would love to have him. Jeff Fisher? I mean, this guy was so burnt out at the end of the Mm -hmm. NFL career that he had. and (laughs) Someone did that tweet of, I can't go seven and nine if there's only twelve games. <laughs> then look, oh, Jeff Fisher. I used to have so much respect for him. I just, I mean, I just think he got burnt out by the job. I really do. I do that in that hard knocks watching him. It was like, what? What are you doing, Jeff? Joel in Richmond, Virginia, on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Joel? Good morning. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Good, Joel. What do you got for us? Hey, I, I think I'm on the complete opposite end. I think uh, for all of the college kids, like, when they start doing something or they say, like, it should never affect their Heisman, like, anybody. And I think for, like, if you watch, everybody took, like, personal offense on other networks and blew this thing up, and it's like, come on, like, really? Um, it's a competitive sport. Uh, it is what it is. Like, I don't even know that he needs to fake cry or do anything else. Why, <laughs> why should it affect him? <laughs> did you believe? Uh, did you believe in his crying? I heard it on the radio. I didn't. I haven't seen it yet. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think that's just kind of the world we live in, where it's all about perception, and people understand that so much that you, it's hard to even get to what's real. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on, on all of this. I mean, I understand how people could look at that and say he needs to be more of a pro, even though he's not a pro yet, because he's in this situation. A lot of eyeballs are on him. He should know better. I do understand that take, but it doesn't bother me whatsoever. It really doesn't. I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think it should cost him. I didn't think he needed to apologize. I'm I'm with the call. I'm not assigning. We shouldn't assign our morals upon the young man, but we do that. And while, yeah, it was bothersome, uh, it was wrong, and he crossed the line, uh, I, I leave it at that. You know, it, it wasn't so egregious where I can't find myself to possibly vote for him. Uh, so some people will you know, get on their high horse and, and act as though uh, this was an affront to civilization and, and therefore choose not to vote for him. But as I said earlier, I, I think what Lincoln Riley is doing is the right thing. Hey, this we're going to sit him. Yes, he's going to play in the ball game, but we're going to sit him. We think it was egregious enough where the apology after the ball game didn't suffice. So we're going to take this route as well. Sean in Tennessee next up on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Sean? Hey, fellas. Hey, Sean. <laughs> I got two points on this one. One, that crying, there's no there's no debate. That was fake. I got a two-year-old nephew cries better than that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Perfect. You're right. <laughs> I am sick and tired of taking awards and everything and putting everything other than football on it. He's a great quarterback. He's right up there. He's better than Jason White. Mm -hmm. 
he should be in the consideration for the Heisman. In my opinion, he should get the Heisman. And he still probably will. Yeah. I still think that. I mean, if there was, if it was neck and neck and then this happened, it might have cost him. But I don't feel like at this juncture it's neck and neck. And, and Sean, to, to your point, I, I, I'm with you to a certain extent as far as uh, you, is, are we awarding you because of your play on the field? And then you have these character questions that are associated with certain awards. And, and okay, if it's all about, you know, who has the highest character, how do you really know? Are you with these young men 24-7? Their coaches aren't even with them 24-7. So yeah, you don't really have a true idea who they are as a person. Uh, maybe down the road you find that out. But to be, get into the business of – Judging character and and and, well, and it's think, not the NFL Man of the Year award or nothing. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, I, I'm all about performance. It's a performance based uh, award, even though they assign character uh, traits to to the uh, the award as well. Coming up next, Andrew Bogus update and Paul Allen, play by play voice of the Minnesota Vikings. Keep it right here. It's Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Andrew Bogus is here first, though, with an update. What's going on, Bogus? Guys, the Atlanta Falcons never trailed in Seattle on Monday Night Football. Brian on a play fake. Matt looks, going to throw. Toy Lolo, wide open. Mm-hmm. Touchdown, Atlanta. Levine Toy Lolo on a play I think they scored on here last year. Catches a touchdown against Earl Thomas and then spikes it right on top of it. Wes Durham on Falcons Radio second. Touchdown pass of the night from Matt Ryan. Final time into the end zone for his Falcons. They eventually led 34-23, but had to survive a Russell Wilson to Doug Baldwin TD, a two-point conversion, and Blair Walsh's 52-yard field goal, which came up just short in the final second. So 34-31 the final. Wilson so proud his team Almost won. It showed the the character of our team, and we kept hanging there. We kept answering back. We kept answering back. Guys make some great plays tonight. Until we lost. Wilson accounted for three touchdowns and two turnovers, which led to two Atlanta scores. The Seahawks have lost two straight home games and give up control of the second NFC wildcard to these Falcons. Steelers right tackle Marcus Gilbert given a four-game PED suspension. The Bucks ruling out Jameis Winston in a shoulder injury for at least one more week. The Colts expect Jacoby Brissett to play this weekend despite still being in concussion protocol. And Washington receiver Terrell Pryor had season-ending ankle surgery yesterday. Kyrie Irving scored 47 points, 10 of them in overtime, after his Celtics erased a 13-point fourth-quarter hole, finally winning in Dallas 110-102 to extend their winning streak to 16, which ties for the fourth-longest in club history. Just five straight wins for the Cavaliers after steamrolling the Pistons in Detroit 116-88. The Spurs down the Hawks 96-85. Atlanta has lost 20 straight trips to San Antonio. The Knicks gave the Clippers their ninth straight loss, 107-85, and the Nuggets were 114-98 winners in Sacramento, while head coach Mike Malone served a one-game suspension. He made contact with an official while getting ejected Sunday night. The NBA has rescinded Nikola Jokic's ejection, ejection, ejection from there that game. And the Pelicans trailed the Thunder in the third quarter last night until... Anthony dials a three ball that's off. Westbrook got the rebound and blows the follow. Cousins has the rebound and hits Russell Westbrook in the face with an elbow. Westbrook's called for a reach and foul. He is on the floor as Cousins tries to wave off what he just did. Matt Pinto, Thunder Radio, DeMarcus Cousins tossed for that elbow despite his protest. New Orleans rallying, though, for a 114-107 win, 36 points and 15 boards from Anthony Davis. Number 7, Kentucky held off Troy, 70-62. 
Number 16, Texas A&M took care of OK State in Brooklyn, 72-55. And LSU surprised Michigan, 77-75, to close day one of the Maui Invitational. Chipper Jones and Jim Tomei headline the group of players on the Baseball Hall of Fame ballot for the very first time. The new class reveal on January 24th. And from the NHL, the Predators beat the Jets 5-3. Nashville has won 7 of Eight, boys. All right, Bogus, thanks. Joining us right now, one of my favorite guys in sports media, Paul Allen, play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings and longtime talk show host out there. And you know I used to go to Mankato, Minnesota yep. for training camp as a Vikings fan and travel all the way from Long Island to go out there. Why would you do that? Uh, because I love the team <laughs> a lot, uh, and I was nuts, and I remember catching a T-shirt. Paul Allen was doing a show. It was the PA in Dubay show at the time. He was doing a show live from Mankato. And he was throwing out T-shirts in one of the breaks. I was like 18 or 19 years old. And I caught a PA and Dubay T-shirt that I still have. Wow. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that. Paul, Paul's been at it a long time. Yeah, he has. And very, a very high level, very successful. Paul, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, man. You know, uh, the best thing with those T-shirts is um, given the durability, they're very, they're very good for drying dishes. <laughs> <laughs> it's environmentally I, friendly. Yeah, I remember the slogan on it too was like "Your prayers have been answered." Like I remember it said that. I used to wear it all the time, thinking like, "Look at me, man! I'm really on the inside here with the with the Vikings." Uh, so this year has been spectacular to watch from a, a Vikings fan standpoint, and and one that's just so shocking to me after some of the injuries and Case Keenum taking over and. And Dalvin Cook going down. So, uh, what's been the reason, or the couple of reasons, why this team is sitting here, one and uh, winning eight out of their first ten games? You know what, Gio? Uh, you're an elite football mind, so I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you would say that it is shocking. I mean, I, I understand off Bradford's New Orleans game, and you know the fact that um, six games ago Dalvin Cook looked like he definitely had a chance to be offensive rookie of the year. I, I get all that. But um, with the, uh, the way the Vikings' defense came into the season, the personnel it has, um, and the, uh, the direction the head coach takes defensively, you know, I, I, I don't – I mean, maybe 8-2 and two is shocking. Well, I that's what I'm saying. I mean, listen, if they were treading water, it would be one thing. But 8-2, and two, you know, with, uh, on track for a bye is something I just didn't expect. Right. I mean, I thought the team would win 11 games this year, and, and really after Bradford and Cook went down, had no reason to uh, – to change the prognostication because at that stage, even without the quarterback and the rookie running back, you know, we could see an offensive line that was one of the worst in the NFL last year has completely flipped the script. I mean, Riley Reef at left tackle has been one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Uh, through 10, he has not allowed a sack. You know, the, uh, the center of the rookie, Pat Elfline from, from Ohio State, he was decent early in the season. He's unbelievably good now. So, you know, they're, uh, they're able to power run it with Latavius Murray. They're able to get shifty with Jarek McKinnon. And you got this wide receiver, Adam Thielen, you know, where, uh, you know, in Minnesota, he, he's from a tiny town called Detroit Lakes, went to Minnesota State, uh, Mankato, and, and wa- worked his way up from the practice squad. But he legitimately should be considered one of the best receivers in the NFL. And, you know, you put all that together with that good defense, man, and here we are. And, Paul, from week to week here, uh, lately we've been hearing about quarterback and, and should Mike Zimmer insert uh, Bridgewater. What are you hearing there locally? I, I think it's just an asinine uh, question, and, and, and Case Keenum is rolling along right now. If it's not broke, don't break it. Yeah, you know, last week when um, when Mike did his Monday press conference after uh, Keenum and, and the Vikings beat Washington, you know, in that game, Case went for 304 and four touchdowns. And, 
you know, that, that's the first Vikings quarterback since Dante Culpepper in 2004 to have more than 300 passing yards and four TDs in a road game. You know, yet at his press conference, he was noncommittal about the quarterback spot. So, you know, clearly Zimmer, there, there's something with this situation that scares him. And, you know, as, as the CEO of the organization, the head coach, he has a right to look at a quarterback, you know, who hasn't played a ton of games during his career, like maybe 30, and say, you know, we, we may have squeezed as much from this as we possibly can get. So, you know, now up to the Rams game, Case is going against his former team, you know, and they, they quietly might have been a little concerned that he was going to be too amped up and try to do too much, and he went out there and killed him. I mean, he, he, he was fantastic, and you know, his, his movement away from uh, potential sacks and, and getting out of the pocket and becoming a legitimate run-pass option has been very good. Meanwhile, you know, in practice, Teddy's kicking butt right now. He, he's not cutting reps with Case Keenum, but he's getting a fair amount of opportunity in practice. You know, and I watch all these practices, man, and Teddy looks really good. So it's, um, it's the oxymoron known as a good problem. G. Owen Jones, a Paul Allen play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings across the country on CBS Sports Radio. Growing up on the East Coast, I'm inherently negative, and then being a Vikings <laughs> fan, there's been some bad losses in there. So, I mean, I, I wish I could have a better feeling about how it's going to end up. I really wish I was more positive. I know you're more positive, and I know that Vikings fans are more positive because when I've gone out there and gone to games, I'm the most negative one. They usually have a at least a, a more rosy view of things. What's the sense when you're doing your show, the fans about this team and where it's going? Do they think there's something special brewing, or is it more of the how are they going to make me feel bad again? Tough to answer, main man. I mean, we're uh, we're ten games into it. I'm kind of slow rolling it emotionally, and it's not you know it's not like 2009, and and that game in New Orleans is something that's in the forefront of my mind. Uh, likewise for fans, but nevertheless, it is there. In 03, we lost the division on the final play of the game. Nathan Pool and Nathan Pool, 98. Gary Anderson missed that kick. So. I mean, there are some fans, you know, there are some fans who will dwell on those moments. And, you know, they, through 10, they, um, they are not as emotionally committed to, like, bringing up home field advantage in the postseason, the fact that Super Bowl 52 is in our building. Not, not a lot of that comes up at this stage. Now, if we beat the Lions on Thanksgiving morning, this division is over. And then after that, you go to Atlanta. Sarkeesian has that offense finally going and at this stage last year when Atlanta was 6-4, and four, the Falcons didn't lose a game the rest of the way until they blew that lead in the Super Bowl. So the Falcons got something going. Uh, the Saints have won eight in a row, obviously. We beat the Saints first game of the season. We caught them at a really good time at U.S. Bank Stadium. And when all these new defensive parts, including Marshawn Lattimore, were just learning their toil. But that team has become legit. Philly's obviously legit. So the, um, I, you know, I think fans know... The rubber's going to meet the road here sooner or later, but we got a big one on Thursday. Hey, Paul, George Edwards, your defensive coordinator, he, he has an excellent defense. He's filled in week in and week out. Is he getting enough credit for how they're playing? I know it takes the, the Jimmys and the Joes, but the X's and O's matter as well. Right. Hey, man, that's um, I'm really glad you brought that up because I do a lot of these, and nobody ever brings up George Edwards, who is our defensive coordinator, because Mike Zimmer is the identity of his defense. Now, but you know what? Like, for every Daryl Hall, you need a John Oates if you want to be like one of the great duos in the history of coaching or music. And that's exactly what George is to Mike. 
after games on Sundays or Monday mornings. Zimmer gets with George. George is all already miles down the road on the next team. His dissecting and analysis of the next team gets Mike set up so he can craft his game plan. And and George is vital to what Zimmer does. And and quite honestly, I don't think George gets enough credit. I'm really glad you brought him up. Paul, give us a sense of the Super Bowl at this point and some of the plans. I'm sure you're involved and are talking about this. And I know there's some people that are saying, oh, cold weather, Super Bowl, of course, it's going to be inside. But uh, you have to deal with some of the events and outside. How are you going to get around? I've been to Minneapolis. It is a beautiful place. There are ways to stay out of the cold. So uh, can you dispel some of the rumors about how the Super Bowl week is maybe not going to go the way people want it to? Well, I mean, I guess it's predicated on what people's expectations are and how they satisfy themselves. I mean, I know I know, Mall of America is a mall, but it's still really cool, and you can do a lot of cool things from uh, from an event standpoint at Mall of America. XL Energy Center in St. Paul, which is about 12 minutes away from, from Minneapolis, you know, they're, they're going to do some things there. And the Skyway system here is really good. So, you know, if you, if you need to be out in the cold to go to, to go to your favorite spot, then I guess you got to do it. But the building's great. The atmosphere is going to be fantastic. And the Vikings and the NFL have put a lot of time in this for a long time to make sure people are comfortable, and I believe they will be. Yeah, that's a beautiful stadium just flowing, flowing over it, haven't been inside of it, but uh, it comes uh, highly regarded as one of the better ones in the league. I want to stick with the defensive side about Terrence Newman, man. Uh, that cat has been playing forever, and, and, and does he still have it? Apparently he does. I know Mike Zimmer and him are, are really close from the days at Dallas and then they're at Cincinnati, but he's still playing a significant role for this defense, isn't he? He's um he's one of the most amazing players with whom I've worked in my 16 years calling games for this team. And you know, you know what's amazing about him? Not only is he 39, but um but like last game, he lined up in the slot opposite 24-year-old Cooper Cup, who's a really good third-down receiver and a really fast rookie from from Eastern Washington. And Terrence stayed up with him the majority of the game. You know, and, and the thing about Terrence, man, when when you get to be 39 years old, and you go through organized team activities and mini camp and training camp and preseason. Generally, these 39-year-olds are always the rumored guys who are on the bubble to get cut, and Terrence never is. <laughs> I mean, it's like he does what Zimmer and Edwards want so well that you can be you can be a 4-4 guy from a big college fresh into the NFL, and you ain't going to beat him out of his money. I mean, Trey Waynes from Michigan State was a uh, was a high first round pick a few years ago. I think Trey rolled in here thinking Terrence is old and, and I'm going to get a spot, and Terrence flat beat him, you know. And then Trey had to work on special teams, and now Trey starts and he's really good, but it took a while. So the the way Terrence takes care of his body and his mind in the off season is very crafty. It's kind of the defensive version of the way Tom Brady does it offensively, and then he personifies. You know, specifically in a league where the knucklehead factor can be high sometimes and, and people don't study the way they need to to succeed at the highest level, Terrence shows if you do it the right way and if you're in the right spot and if you jam the right way and backpedal the right way, you can play a long time, man. Last one for me. We're seeing a lot of these coaches that uh, don't seem to be understanding their players all that well. Ben McAdoo, uh, Sean McDermott's going through it right now. And it seems like to me, from my perspective, that the locker room just loves Mike Zimmer. Uh, how about Mike Zimmer's relationship 
with his team, with his players on both sides of the ball. You see it every day. What's it like? A couple of things here. Uh, one, with Mike. Mike is able to run that balance of the father figure and the boss and pull it off. And he works so hard and he gets so grouchy and he cares so much about it that the guys look at him and they're kind of like, we can't let dad down. But if you let dad down, then the boss gets into you, and that's not pretty. So it's a very good balance. Secondly, the offensive coordinator here, Pat Shermer, this is his first full year coordinating this offense. And I just I can't – and the previous offensive coordinator, Norv Turner, is one of my very best friends in all of my years in the NFL. And I love Norv and his son, Scott, who now is at Michigan. But what Pat Shermer is doing with this offense now has been fantastic. I mean, we have guys so wide open on so many plays, and they may only go for 6 or 11 yards, but then, you know, they run it a certain way, safety comes up, defense goes single high, and boom, they're stealing for 65. So, I mean, this offensive coordinator, you talk about melding personnel to plays, Shermer's doing it incredibly well right now. Hey, man, last one for me. Give uh, Jerry Gray and Brian Robinson a big hook em horns. Oh, you got it, man. Yeah, Jerry's another valued asset on this team, working with that secondary with Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. Harrison Smith's really good. And, um, and I'm hoping uh, Brian plays on Thursday. He, um, he tweaked something last Thursday. I didn't think it was that bad, but then he didn't practice Friday. And, shoot, he didn't play on Sunday. And, you know, with this defensive line with Robinson, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, Linval Joseph, it's a really, really good defensive line, man. And, you know, kind of along the lines of Terrence Newman, you know, given Robinson plays a more physical spot than a corner. Yeah. You know, Brian's still going strongly at this stage of his career. That's fantastic. Too. Yeah, 11th year in the league. Paul, yeah. thanks for your time, man. Love hearing from you, and uh, hopefully they can uh, de facto win the division on, on Thanksgiving. We appreciate it. It'll be cool, man. We've lost three in a row to the Lions, so that has to stop. You guys have a great Thanksgiving. All right, All right you too. Have a happy Thanksgiving, Paul Allen. It does have to stop. He used to destroy the Lions constantly. It used to be to like stop. the thing. It has to stop. Freaking Lions. You sure? Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about the game, though. I am worried about well, the game. Well, of course you are. How can you not be? You shouldn't. It's a different team, a different year. Yeah. You shouldn't be worried. Hey, you go going with confidence. Mm-hmm. You embrace it. You know it's going to be a challenge, but you embrace it. Coming up next, Derek Jeter bought the Marlins so he can help the Yankees. Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Well, I think that there's a conspiracy going on here. Uh-oh. And I think that because of the John Carlos Stanton situation, because the Marlins are going to be sellers again, that Derek Jeter just bought the Marlins short term <laughs> to shuffle players over to the Yankees. And it's already started. So the Yankees have acquired Michael King, yep. minor league pitcher. Yeah. And some money from Miami for two hundred and fifty K. Garrett Cooper and Caleb Smith. Who were, yeah. You know. Cooper came up this year for the first time, and uh, I think he hit over 300. Actually uh, played pretty well when he was in the lineup. Yeah, none of it matters. And uh, so he's he's probably going to platoon there for the Marlins. I like Cooper, but, you know, you read, uh, dig a little deeper, and a lot of the scouts say they really doesn't have a huge upside. Those type of guys I want, the ones they count out, well, doesn't have an upside. This is what you're going to see more of this. Back and well, forth you, and back and forth. You, you deal with the teams gonna you get know, like a, right? Like a monorail between the two places. <laughs> They're just going to shuffle players, and then most of the good ones are going to go to the Yankees. That's what's going to happen. You know it is. 
Uh, Marcus Gilbert, the Steelers' right tackle, got suspended for PEDs for four yeah. years. Just stupid stuff mm-hmm. at this point of the season. And that could be a, a big deal. I don't know much about the replacement, Chris Hubbard, um, but some people say he's been okay in short times, and you know Gilbert's been out at times this season. But, I, I mean, I just... I don't understand how, and he didn't fight it. You know, I apologize. I took a banned substance. Right. It wasn't one of those things where I'm appealing it, and I don't know what I did. I mean, with all these guys, and it's not just Gilbert, but I just can't fathom how at this stage yeah. you can put you and your team in this situation, yep. Yep. especially at this point of the season. And listen, they're going to go to the playoffs no matter what, and he'll come back for that. But it just, like, what if they were an 8-2? and two? What if they were fighting to get in the playoffs yeah. and then this happens? you got to know what you're doing. Well, he's, and, been, he's been hampered uh, for most of the season, at least, five, uh, at least five or six games of the season with that hamstring injury. And I'm with you. I'm, I, how do you not go to a team doctor or trainer or someone and say, hey, I'm thinking about using this substance, is it okay, yay or nay? Simple as that. Yeah. I, um... I know that these guys know exactly what they're doing, and they're probably hoping that they don't get caught. And maybe he has been taking it, and it's not like, oh, I took a banned substance and didn't know. If, if that is true, then you're just uh, you're just dumb. So mm-hmm. I'm about to embark on this drive to Pittsburgh now. My wife is downstairs. She's texting me all sorts of stuff. She's getting some breakfast for herself and getting mm-hmm. me things. And and she she goes to this, this little deli down the block. I told her to get you know a bagel from. Yeah. She goes, all right, I ordered the food. <laughs> then she texts me, now where's the bathroom? <laughs> and I said, you know, I I don't know. I, I haven't used the bathroom in that place. But one thing I do know is that there's employees that work in there. And you could ask them where the bathroom is. And then I said... You know, if there isn't a public bathroom in that place, which is a possibility, yeah. maybe you could go into the Starbucks that is next door. And then halfway through texting, I said, why am I even doing this? <laughs> You're telling me you can't figure out where to go to the bathroom without my help? Yeah. Mm. Well, here uh, we go. Yeah, here you go. It's going to be a nice drive. And then she... <laughs> And then she asked me the question, how come you don't let me drive on these trips? Ah! Meh. Why not? Because she's not very good at it. Oh, she yeah. drives slow? Um, Yeah, and and I just, she hits those rumble strips on the side of the road mm-hmm. all the time, and mm. like, I can't stand that. She doesn't know how to stay between the No, she's always, she's, yeah, she's very bad at that. Huh. And then, so I did that Pittsburgh trip. Back and forth about a million times. I mean, I, I probably, I'll put a number on it, like no more than 30, no less than 23. Okay. Back and forth. Never had an issue. Never once. Nothing. <laughs> Never once. Just, I mean, traffic, sure. Mm-hmm. Can't control that. She did it one time. Hit a pothole <laughs> so hard <laughs> that she blew out her run flat tire. <laughs> That's how bad she hit. And then her mom, as they say, the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. Yeah, her mother does it one time, falls asleep, <laughs> hits a 18-wheeler. I remember that. In her Mini Cooper. 
like and spins out, totals the car. How the hell do you think you could take on an 18-wheeler in a Mini Cooper? Well, she didn't because she was asleep. <laughs> so, and she says, well, how come you don't let me drive? I go, well, these are the examples why. Because you can't find the bathroom. That's why. <laughs> so, yep. Well, I'll be doing the show tomorrow just from Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, that'll be, be interesting. I wonder if anybody there knows... You know what? I should really, I should really look into that instead of just showing up there, assuming that someone's going to be there ready for the ISDN. I should really make a phone call. Oh, you or have not pre- uh, prepared. I mean, them. I shouldn't have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They have. Yeah. There's been people that have spoken, mm-hmm. but I don't know what the details. And are. our girl is gone. What's her name? Nadine. What's her? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nadine. The thief. Yeah. She should have been in China with the ball kid. It's it's alleged. Oh, it's alleged. Alleged. Yeah. Ah. I don't believe it. I never. Believe be- it? I never believed mm. that story. Now, what's her name in the neighborhood? Coco. Coco. Yeah, that's, Coco. Her, that's her hood name. Yeah, that's what they call her up in the hill. What's, see, that's the theft name. Coco. Coco. Coco you came just to work. Made my morning. <laughs> yeah, she is. She was a little surly, man. We were in Pittsburgh. Yeah, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's her, though. That's yeah. what makes her great. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm gonna miss her. There's a guy that's does not interact with people who is now behind that desk. Oh, yeah. So you got to force him to interact. No, nah, he's just very. I mean, it, there's he's got a delay. He's got a seven second delay like uh. we have. So I'll go. Hey, Ray. Hey. Dang. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, I, he'd love me. <laughs> we'd have to. We, we'd have to adjust that delay, man. Yeah. So I'll. I'll be there. See a bunch of people. Cool, man. Used to work with. We're safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line from PITT. Yeah, and uh, we'll go from there. Yo, well, will we? Yeah. <laughs> Good, man. And I'm gonna awesome. hop on a plane and head to to some warmer, warmer yeah. weather. Yeah, I'm not exactly going to a tropical location, yeah. am I? Where you are? Yeah, you'll be doing that. That'll be that'll be with your fried turkey and oh, everything else. Okay. Yeah. Why? It's so good. <laughs> fried turkey. Yeah. Mm-mm. Well, I don't know. Depending on how things go, I might hop on a plane and go down and meet come you. Come on, come on. Plenty of room, baby. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never know. You want to make it through this this, this drive with the wife since you didn't help her with the banyo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh boy, that's a great thing about this show is she doesn't listen to it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Mine either. She wouldn't know what the hell we were saying anyway. Right. <laughs> she knows English. Come on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks to Paul Allen, Mikey B, Petey Meets, Bogus, Pierno. Talk to you tomorrow. Jingo and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.